Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, you think digital currencies and you think of Bitcoin and the like, but now central banks are getting into digital currencies too. Perhaps in response to this interest in these other currencies, or maybe because they want more control. This week, we look at what banks mean when they talk about digital currencies and how it might change the relationship between the central bank and commercial banks and the customer. That's this week on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. Well, there has been quite a lot of talk about central bank digital currencies lately. Bankers are still discussing what it is and uh, and what it looks like and uh, very often trying to delay it doing anything at all. But of course, almost all the money we get from a central bank is digital anyway. I mean, it's money that only exists on spreadsheets or in banking systems, probably not on spreadsheets. I, I think they've got more uh, uh, d- detailed and comprehensive systems than just using Excel. Just a little factoid for the sheer fun of it. A colleague of mine tried to get the Reserve Bank of Australia to put its system together using a relational database and he got gazumped by them and they instead did it internally using linked Excel spreadsheets. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's not I hope they've got the, Maybe they've got their act together in the meantime, but that was, about, that was true about five years ago. Well, maybe they've upgraded the uh, the version of Excel at the very least. Uh, but there's mm. uh, obviously very, so most money is digital, isn't it? I mean, there's very yeah. little in the way of coins and notes. But it's clear that they are worried, Steve, about cryptocurrencies like uh, Bitcoin and the impact that that might have. I mean, imagine if everyone did start buying stuff with Bitcoin or something similar, another cryptocurrency, and central banks would, you know, they could they can control their sovereign currencies, but if no one's using it. What would that mean for monetary policy if that was to happen? Well, I mean, if that ever happened, then of course they'd be disembodied and that's uh, disemboweled and that's a large part of what the cryptocurrency community wants. And their mm. belief is that the, the higher the price of the cryptocurrencies get, particularly Bitcoin, of course, which is uh, it's, it's now, they're now talking in terms of hitting $100,000 per Bitcoin sometime this year, which it may do. It may crash again like it did in 2017 as well. Um, but... Uh, it, to me, the, the, I mean, I know people, there are transactions done using digital currencies. I've had people send me some digital currencies of various occasions. God knows where it bloody well is. Um, but. And Elon Musk is saying you can buy his cars now using yeah, okay, yeah, Bitcoin. Buying Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but in terms of transactions, the number of transactions that are being done through things like Bitcoin is still trivial. And that's the part that, uh, you know, my, maybe my, my, um, takedown of this whole thing is that it's not money unless you use it for transactions. And yeah. the HODL is, by almost by definition, they don't use it to transact. Well, I don't want to be this all to be about uh, Bitcoin, but it, there is a, I mean, it, it does seem almost like a, a tribe of people who've all uh, are, are chanting the same mantra, which is that fiat money is going to lose value because there's just so much of it, whereas Bitcoin is now the only store of wealth. 
and so they don't see any problem, many of them, with it not being a, a, a currency that's actually used to trade. They're just seeing it as a as just that, a, a store of wealth. Mm, um, yeah. but, but, but I mean, why why Bitcoin? Why not something else? You know, why? why you know, it's I mean, gold used to do that. Joe, it's just doing the same job as gold, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's where the gold is actually money is another story again. But let's get back out to the central currents, central banks, because they mm. are looking at digital currency. And I think there's, it isn't just that they fear competition from uh, d- digital um, devices like Bitcoin. Uh, I suppose I can call it a digital currency without calling it money. Um, mm. But they're, So they are concerned about that. But a, a large part of why they're doing it as well is they're concerned about cash. Because mm. they, uh, and in partly this comes out of the fact that central banks are governed by neoclassical economists, and therefore you can expect to stuff up. And the, the stuff up they have is that they actually are trying, hoping they can bring in negative interest rates to encourage spending. Because right. the and you can't do that if people could take all their money out and in cash. Uh, in yeah. cash. Mm. yeah. So what part of the part do you of think the that's it? It's part Did of it. It's, it's not the entire thing, but it's certainly part of why they're talking about it. Because as soon as you know, they sit down, you know, over their, their cup of coffee in their in uh, Carolyn's cookie shop. Whatever was it? Was Conrad's coffee shop? Pardon me, last week. Wasn't well, last it? week, yeah, yeah, mm. okay. Conrad's coffee shop. They sit down there and have their cup of coffee in their marginally diminishing marginal productivity coffee shop, and um, <laughs> and they are saying, well, let's actually bring in negative rates to stimulate consumption. And so, but people can take it out in cash. Well, let's abolish cash. But I mean, what they're talking about, though, is the exact opposite, isn't it, of uh, what cryptocurrencies are all about? Because cryptocurrencies are all—they're all about control through this approach. Cryptocurrencies are all about breaking out from that control. Guess which side the public's going to want to jump on if it became a war between the two? Yeah, I mean, because because a lot of the people, the designers of digital currency, actually effectively argue that there's an enormous amount of fraud inside banking, which is not an argument I'm going to dispute for one iota, but they actually saw the fraud mm. in terms of the record keeping itself. And so the, the design of the digital currencies was such that there's a distributed ledger and anybody, it, it's semi-anonymized, so you can't tell who actually bought that cup of coffee, uh, but you can tell, uh, you know, I, I, I think you can tell which coin was involved, which fraction of the coin was involved. But the idea is the ledger uh, is held by hundreds or even thousands, tens of thousands of people who've all got access to the same ledger. And the, uh, the, the fact that it's in multiple ledgers and once it's recorded, uh, it, the transaction's record can't be reversed. That was seen as getting away from what they saw as the major problem with the uh, fiat system, that you couldn't trust the bank's record keeping. Now, I, I, I've always thought that's nonsense because it's not the record keeping you can't trust. It's who they'll lend money to you can't trust. Uh, and well they'll, hide, well, they'll hide money as well when you start looking at money laundering and taking money offshore and things like that. So in, in that sense, in taking mm. money offshore, yes, there's, a, there's a, obviously a desperate need to stop that happening because that's a major uh, you know, way in which the rich are ripping off the poor. But the, the actual recording itself, no great problem with it. And so digital central banks, or central banks talking about digital uh, currency, they are talking about a ledger that they maintain. 
And I think that, again, there would be talk about- Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, because it's it means that they are having more control. Because it, it's changing. It's, it's sort of uh, disintermediating the banks to a great extent, isn't it? Because the relationship used to be central banks would store and lend money for, for, for commercial banks. Commercial banks had the relationship with the customer. But what they're talking about here is that the central banks, even though they might involve banks in the in the process in some way, I mean, it is central banks having a direct relationship in some way with the, with the end user yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the digital, if you had a, a, a central bank digital digital currency, then one of the concepts, it isn't the only one that can be tried, but the standard concept is that every uh, citizen, every resident of that country would have an account at the central bank. And mm. therefore, uh, when you, in essentially how the treasury interacts with the public, uh, then rather than the treasury having to uh, put money into the reserve accounts of the private banks as, as they put money into people's private bank accounts, it could be a transfer direct from the Treasury's uh, own account at the central bank to individuals' accounts at the central bank, not involving the private banking sector at all. And when they say digital currencies, they're not talking about a different currency. They're just talking about a digital version of whatever the sovereign currency is. So it would be putting US dollars into your account at the, the central bank. But what, And this is being tried. So Brazil, for example, they've, they've got a, a payment network called PIX, uh, which is this is relatively new from the from the central bank there from the uh, from the Bank of Brazil that enables the transfer of money quickly between people uh, you can uh, QR code scan it it's free mm-hmm. there's no charge for any payments it's so it's really a payments gateway that's challenging commercial banks and um, I mean part of the argument is that the, the, the banking sector is so heavily concentrated in Brazil that they want to open it up to competitions so the central bank is their competitor I mean it's their it's their friend and also their competitor at the same time. Uh, so I don't know. So that's a different reason, isn't it? I, I can't see most people going down that road because the banks just will say, hang on a sec, what's going on here? You're doing our job. Yeah, and there's a lot of the uh, resistance that exists both inside central banks and in, in, in private banks as well to this whole idea is that if that did happen and it was a costless network as well, uh, which is quite feasible for central banks, uh, then the private banks could lose their depositor base. And by losing their depositor base, they'd lose their assets and you'd bring the financial system uh, to a halt. Um, and so the initial enthusiasm some central banks had for that has been diminished. Uh, but it would still be something which you could bring in the system and not use it until such time as you need to make a, a, a like an emergency injection into people's bank accounts. So if you imagine, again, the COVID situation, uh, we could have these accounts which... You quite possibly could set up these accounts in such a way that you could withdraw from them but not deposit. Okay, no mm. problem with that at all, uh, technologically. Uh, and 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 uh, what could then happen? The account could be zero at all times. Then bang, the uh, COVID twenty one hits. And when COVID twenty one hits, to get money to people's hands as quickly as possible, you put it into their digital accounts at the uh, at the central bank, and then they can withdraw from that and do spending. Uh, through the private banks. So I think the idea for, from a, a lot of governments and central banks is that they, it, be, it becomes their, their their method of, of how they deal with you, isn't it? Yeah. So you have... How you pay taxes and your, stuff like that. Yeah. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's your digital wallet. So if they're going to pay money, it goes into that digital wallet. If they're going to take money out, then you've got to make sure you've got that money in your digital wallet. And, uh, and, and so that moves quickly. And the argument is given. I'm not quite sure... 
I guess it's what you're saying here that that so monetary policy would operate quicker. I guess it would if you're having a cash injection. It would uh, distribute itself into the economy that much faster. Yeah, well, the funny thing is too, it depends on how well well organised the uh, the tax systems are of the countries involved. So, like you you and I were both in Australia when Kevin Rudd did the uh, uh, what was that it was nine hundred and sixty dollars per head, wasn't it? Nine. There, were two, there was two, weren't there? Two lots. Well, there's certainly one I of 960. I missed out on both of them, but I hadn't done my tax return in time. You had to, I think it might have been 700 after that okay. as well. Yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's like a money. Australia, because the Australian government regularly uh, sends money electronically, so you ta- my, my tax return, when I did actually do them, uh, was always electronic. So I'd get in tax, sometimes paying tax, most of the time getting tax refunds directly digitally into my, as it was, Commonwealth Bank account. Um, so Australia was set up for that and took advantage of it during the global financial crisis, whereas apparently in the UK they talked about doing it but thought it would take them six months to mm. set up the system. Yeah. Sounds a bit like COVID, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Well, you know, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, can't you? But, I mean, uh, do, do you need to have that digital wallet? If So, for example, in the in the UK now, uh, pretty much if you are a uh, – it doesn't apply to everyone, but a you know, small business person like me, now you have to submit mm-hmm. your, your accounts digitally. And basically, you've got to give access. To, your, to, to, to all of your bank accounts, you know they've got to be mm-hmm. they've they've got to see what you're spending your money on by and large. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, so, so by law they're getting this the ability to see mm-hmm. to you know to avoid money laundering or people cheating on uh, uh, you know not uh, getting income that they're not actually claiming as as being taxable. They're doing all of that anyway, uh, just by you know snooping on bank accounts irrespective of where they're held. So do they need this whole approach to digital currency if the idea is to look at how you're spending? your money well not just in how to have to spend it but in terms of if they want to spend it into you rapidly well, then having a direct hmm. conduit rather than going through the private banks uh, can be much faster than it is at the moment and uh, but the, the, you know, so, the, so the, the the weird bit is the central banks that are but why is that I mean they can just surely they can just I mean they know my bank account details they just put it in my bank account a lot of people a lot of people in the UK don't actually pay tax hmm. Okay, it's taken out at source, and unless there's some major reason to revise the amount of money, there's no relationship between them and the tax office. That was the hassle for the UK. Um, right. Yeah. So, like you and I, as semi-small business people, all the time we have to have that because we we are making, you know, making a, a profit and loss accounts all the time. Uh, but wage earners, salary earners, don't actually uh, have to go through, have to go through filling out the the paperwork. Now, that's an advantage in one sense because there ain't no paperwork to do. But the disadvantage is there's no relationship between you uh, and your bank account and the tax office either. So, if they want to make a rebate, that's it's not easy for them to do. So as a practical Mm. sense, a a digital uh, central bank currency would make it easier. Uh, And it would be much, in terms of energy consumption, this is one of the the main complaints I've got against Bitcoin is the enormous energy consumption involved deliberately in in the way that they they work out the the hashing algorithm to to guarantee that uh, a transaction has been properly recorded and it can't be reversed. Um, Whereas the central bank, there would be no very little energy overhead and in that sense, a central bank digital currency would be far less energy uh, intensive than the private ones are. Right. But as we've already said, it's not apples for apples, is it? It's apples for Lamborghinis. You know, there's no comparison between the two because one of them is a is this uh, this model, which is uh, very centralized. And the other one, which is the exact opposite of that. You know, yeah, the, and, and, one, and then centralized one has unlimited capacity to create money and the, de- the decentralized one has 21 million bitcoins and that's it but of course they, yeah, they stop. Div- divide yeah. them down all the time in terms of the um, you know, 
I think you can go to one one a uh, change of the minus twelfth of a bitcoin. I think it's the smallest scale they can actually uh, transact. <laughs> well, thank God we're not training in it. Uh, so there we are. That'll be ten to the minus twenty four in change. There you go, love. Mm, mm. Uh, that's not going to work, is it? So the 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 way it's working in Brazil is that I mean it really is the central bank saying ah we are going to provide some competition here. So they. Pix uh, has some flexibility, so you can do pre-programmed payments. You can get cash, ma- cash back payments from uh, from vendors, things that you're not able to get easily on credit cards just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which make, make, makes you wonder, if they're doing this, why aren't banks getting more into this space? So op- open banking has enabled all these apps. Uh, that enable you to see, for example. So I do, what I don't get is uh, I've got an app on my mobile phone which picks everything out of my bank account, tells me for each vendor, um, you know, how often I've paid them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can I can see, categorizes it into, you know, what sort of expense they think it is, and I can change all that. Plus shows me the geographic location if I was out and about where I spent that money. And, it, you know, Google Pay can do all that sort of stuff as well. My bank does none of that. It's, it's actually using the same data it's getting from the bank, but it can extract more from each record than the bank can. Mm. So the banks do need a kick up the rear end in terms of providing uh, better service to customers. So I wonder whether, you know, it looks like in Brazil the approach is, well, we could get banks to do so much more if we show them how it's done. Seems to be the thinking. And then they're saying, and now we could go to big social media players like WhatsApp and Facebook and try and integrate payments with them as well so that you can do payments through social media. All the stuff that banks are not doing. So this is central banks saying, well, okay, how do we jolly the industry along a bit, isn't it, really? And there's you know a lot of ground for that as well when you think about each each individual bank is not a monopoly but the banking sector is a monopoly in terms of the payment system and mm. like you know, I, I use TransferWise now apparently called Wise I was informed by an email two weeks ago uh, to do most of my banking and um, and and that service again uh, the, the transferring money from one currency to another is about one tenth or one twentieth the price the banks charge for the currency conversion. So there's no way I'm going to pay somebody by sending money from my Thai account to my Australian, to their Australian account these days. Uh, I'll do it through TransferWise and cut down the huge fees that the banking sector knew it could do because there was no competitor. And so I, it, particularly in, in developing nations like Brazil, I can understand the bank, uh, where a lot of people are not banked at all, then I can understand the central bank saying we can do this as a service and compete against uh, a a lethargic oligarchy, not so much an oligopoly as an oligarchy. So I wonder, so it's, maybe it's unique in that sense. Well, there'll be a few other countries in the world, but it's not something that would apply in Europe or the United States, for example. So maybe that's why this hesitancy, uh, which exists in, in, in the US, uh, to, to do too much. And if they are doing it, then it really does become, well, how can we use it as a, that direct relationship with the tax office that you've been mm. talking about? But in other places, it's really that financial inc- inclusion argument, isn't it? Yeah. Digital like, money. And in, Africa is, money. In, in Africa, yeah. is in particular, there's um, reasons to do it. Again, many, many people haven't got bank accounts, but uh, telecommunications companies have come in there uh, and and said, well, you've got to. Virtually everybody has a mobile phone. Often they're, of course, they're you know they're two they're two G, not five G mobile phones, but you know second and third generation mobile phones. And so people have got uh, wallets which are attached to the tele- telecommunications company, and uh, they've even written software so that if you want to buy something off somebody with one of these you know two G phones. Uh, you put the speaker to the microphone and, and, and vice versa, do a transfer, and, a, and an audible tone is sent, which itself is encrypted, uh, which then legitimizes the transfer. 
and means that you suddenly have a banking network running through people's mobile phones. Um, so the, the absence of the service is a damn good reason to bring up a competitor. In Africa, it seems to be telecommunications companies. In Brazil, it could well be the central bank. Well, do you know what, though? It's telecommunications companies everywhere when you think about it. So I, almost everything I do, I, I, now I just touch my mobile phone to pay for stuff. It's all through go- Google Pay. Uh, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's quick, it's easy. Um, the issue, the only issue I have is if I go overseas, mm. how much am I going to pay in currency transfers? You have to assume that at some point Google is going to say, ah, yeah, we'll get onto that. We'll start offering you very low-cost currency transfers if you do it through Google Pay. Uh, or we'll open a Google Pay bank account, and guess what? You know, which it, it, PayPal has that as well, of course, but they charge extraordinary fees because and, they can. And TransferWise uh, now now called Wise charges quite low fees. That's why I use yeah. them. So yeah, the the, 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 the bank. But I mean, all it takes is Google to buy some of those companies up very quickly and say, well, okay, now we're going to go offer low cost transmission uh, tra- uh, transaction fees. So where, hey, wherever you go in the world, just swipe your phone. You know, you're going to get the best deal. You know, that's that, that that's going to be a quantity. and you can see that's just around the corner. I'm surprised it's not happened already. That's a, that's a quantum leap. And so you've got a digital currency and it's your device. Yeah. And then it's the still linked is- to your bank account. But mm. I mean, what happens when they say, well, actually, no, we'll create the bank account too, you know, and, and they set themselves up as a, as a banker. Yeah. Well, that, that then becomes a question where regulations uh, end up favoring the, the existing banks uh, because for good, you know, if sometimes for good reason, the central banks want to be able to control who can and can't operate financial services. And, uh, and, and keep it as restricted to the existing banks, which have, you know, fraud detection services. I mean, I've had several occasions where I've had a call from, uh, mm. uh, like walking on Oxford Street one day, this is obviously before COVID, and got a call from a bank saying, have you just made a purchase in Manchester? And I said, no, I haven't. And, uh, you know, their fraud services yeah. found my account somehow was used to pay the credit card account, was used to buy something in Manchester, so the transaction was stopped. So it's it's that side of... Of banking, you and that's that's where you know in some ways the, the the digital currencies are saying we can do that very well using a distributed ledger. Well, the central banks are saying we can do it just as well using a centralized. Right, one. but you don't think other players on the side, like uh, you know, even though they are significant companies like Google, could could play into that space as well? Because oh. I mean, it's because because you, you look at PayPal and you're thinking, well, okay, what, what why have PayPal not created their own PayPal dollar? For example, if they, you know, if they have so many customers, or why wouldn't Google introduce a Google dollar, which means that when you when you're buying something online, you might see it in your own sovereign currency, but you might also see it in in, in Google dollars, uh, and you can just use that to pay for it. I've got a feeling that's probably even happening as we're speaking. It'd be intriguing to get some feedback from anybody inside those large companies, obviously anonymous, uh, about mm. whether that's happening or not. But like a, a, back to one of the major reasons central banks are doing but it. But a global currency is good. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a major transformation because that means central banks have no control over, over monetary policy well, face, whatsoever. Face, I mean, Facebook tried that and stuffed it up. What were they calling it? Libra? They were going to do that with Libra? Yeah. And that's been yeah. handled so badly that I think Libra has disappeared off the charts. I've seen no mention of it in the last two years. Yeah, probably because of regulation. They probably realised what a regulatory nightmare it was to try and implement it all over the world, perhaps. I think it was that plus of stuff up inside Facebook. But, I mean, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it? And then, and that is a, a, a the idea, you know. Could, so, I mean, the fundamental question is, are we going to lose sovereign currencies? And, and what does that mean? Well, I mean, that's, that's the ambition of the Bitcoin mob, of course, to get rid of sovereign currencies and convert across to something which is, you know, uh, which is this, you know, immutable ledger and the fixed supply of Bitcoin and so on and so forth, uh, all of which is based around the idea that a depreciating currency is a bad idea. 
uh, uh, but in fact, uh, we talked about some time ago the gazellian currency, the thing that you used in uh, in um, uh, Wargle, uh, actually encouraged more transactions. So you know, I, 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 I don't at all buy that particular argument about the advantages of a of a fixed supply currency. No, well, I mean. I mean, because the, the opposite is 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 that you're going to have prices going down all the time. I mean, if Bitcoin has got a, a a limited supply, then it's going to be deflationary over time, and that's worse, isn't it, than inflation? Well, that's I mean, the thing you don't well, you don't want to have debt in a system that works that way, and we have got debt in the current system. So, and also uh, when and when you spoke about with the Wargle experience, why that stimulated e- economic activity so much was if the money, if you didn't spend it, it depreciated. So. Mm. Uh, that that face of depreciation actually caused demand to rise so much that the Wargle currency uh, reduced unemployment from 25% to zero very, very rapidly during the Great Depression. So all these sort of macroeconomic things, I think, I think haven't been thought through by the digital currency mob in general. And when you look at how the central banks are thinking about it, they're thinking about it in their uh, ridiculous ideas that uh, they could have bank accounts paying negative interest rates which would therefore encourage people to uh, spend uh, as a way of stimulating the macro economy. And I think that's very dangerous. The last thing I want in that sense is uh, the abolition of cash, because even though I, I'm, not, I'm not on the Bitcoin side of being you know, uh, critics of the accounting keeping of the banks as their primary flaw, um, mm. the last thing I want is people who don't understand money, i.e. neoclassical economists, abolishing cash. Because yeah, yeah. when everything well, breaks down, you want to have cash. Yeah, that's right. If they, yeah, if you if we get a computer error, uh, but you, I mean, you have yourself argued though that during this crisis, one way of dealing with it might be that you put money into people's bank accounts and it only has a limited life, and this would be one way of doing it. It's, yeah, it's, and it's, the, it's, that's it's, the, the, the a digital central bank currency has got all sorts of possibilities about how it could be used. So one one way it could be just sitting there and not used something which could be deposited in by the by the central bank or by the treasury but not depo- not deposited in by the user. So it's sitting there mm. you have you've got a digital account it's got zero in it and you can't deposit. That's quite feasible. Uh, but then you know there's a you know an emergency like covid coming along or like in you know, back uh, Australia the land of the seven pl- pl- pestilences and plagues uh, <laughs> the new Egypt of the planet uh, now, now currently ex- having experienced a mouse plague is now experiencing floods. Uh, you want to get money to people rapidly um, it, you know, once the floods reside and they've got to pay for fixing up their damaged houses, then the government could put that money directly into the digital accounts and then it could be spent. So there are, yeah, it, makes sense. A, and by the way, that, yeah. that, you know that that it, it's all equilibrium in Australia. So the mass plague uh, is followed by the floods. The floods kill the mice. Uh, everything continues as normal. It's 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 all nature, Steve. That's there the way go. it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. So what if the and I'm I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Bancor yet. Uh, I've been trying to ah. lead you to this. What <laughs> if what if Google, for example, got together with central banks and said, uh, look, we are thinking of doing this thing where we have one currency, which makes it easier. There's no transaction fees. People can move money from one country to another. It's going to be healthy for world trade. It's also going to be uh, engender inclusivity. Um, and also, it may, it, you know, we're going to get away from being the the, uh, the US dollar being the, the central currency. So let's let's create the Google and you guys, you central banks can help us implement it. The Bancor that Keynes talked about uh, managed as a central bank digital currency. What about that idea? Yeah, I and mean, that's something that I would you know, I would be in favour of. Uh, 
uh, because you know the whole fact that it's been a national currency, it's used for international trade, is a major reason why we've got the uh, uh, sclerotic uh, financial system we have today, and, and the financial crisis we've had, an overvalued dollar, too much power for the American financial system, not enough power for the American manufacturing system, uh, all, all the, the distortions are, are horrific, and all due to Harry Dexter White. Um, and the American mm. delegation at Bretton Woods. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, again, that's another reason to like the idea of central banks bringing about a digital currency at the domestic level because it's also quite feasible to bring one at the international level. Right. And that would and that would help you balance the, with the approach of the Bancor, of course, was that it would balance out the, the exchange rate uh, inequalities between uh, between countries and th- th- this would do that wouldn't it because it, it, in effect it would be just be like saying everybody's got what is the equivalent of a US dollar bank account except it's now going to be the Google dollar or whatever it's going to be uh, and uh, and it's going to be the, the same around the world and therefore the, the exchange rate with your own sovereign currency well would that be fixed or would that fluctuate I guess it well, would de- yeah I mean Keynes's idea in the bank hall was for a fixed exchange rate uh, but one which could be devalued if you started running a balance of trade deficit and therefore right. had to drop your currency. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know the modern monetary theory crowd are very in favour of floating rates all the way around. I'm a bit uh, ACDC about that. I actually I, I can't say that I've thought seriously about whether Bancor should be a floating or a fixed exchange rate with currencies around the world. But one thing which is obvious, floating exchange rates haven't got rid of balance of payments differences. And one of the arguments people would have made 40 or 50 years ago for this, when Milton Friedman was all the rage in neoclassical theory, was that uh, all the imbalances are due to not having a price mechanism applied to money. So if money's price was variable, there'd be no uh, trade deficits would, would tend towards zero. And we've had, you know, ever since, what, 72, 73 in the breakdown of Bretton Woods, the original Bretton Woods agreement, uh, floating exchange rates, and we still have countries in some cases running 10% of GDP surpluses and 6% of GDP deficits uh, for, for decades. So the price system alone will not get rid of that. Um, so it makes me a bit of a sceptic about uh, the floating exchange rate side of things versus the fixed. So do you think if you've got all the central banks in the world, because at the moment they're all looking at these uh, these digital currencies individually, they've all got their own differing objectives and different ideas of uh, of what it will look like, and also their differing timescales of when it's going to be rolled out. So in the US, obviously, the, the approach there is very much, well, let's make it look like we're talking about it, but uh, really, we don't want to do anything in this space, but we'll hold, a, we'll hold a few reviews to make it look like we're keen. But if you've got them all together, perhaps because they know ultimately where it might end up, but if you've got all the central banks together and you've got the major players like the Googles and Apples of this world, lock them in a room and said, okay, you've got a week to try and figure out what uh, what should be done in this space. Do you think they would come out with that? They'd come out at the end of it and say, "Well, okay, look, we like the work of Keynes. Let's 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 do a bank or let's uh, have it controlled through central banks and let's have it implemented through uh, electronic devices around the world." Is that the, the Americans would, come to? Americans would stop that. Uh, they'd be fighting tooth like and nail to stop it because yeah. you know their 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 central bank is beholden to the American financial system, and the last thing uh, you know the um, uh, Morgan Stanley of the world did- want. But yeah, everybody exactly. else would want it, so there'd be a battle yeah. between the Americans and the rest. And but if everyone is okay, so it was a, a, a single currency for everywhere in the world apart from America, then uh, that would do the same job, wouldn't it? To some degree, yeah. If you could make transactions easily in the international digital currency and didn't have to use the Americans, bypass SWIFT and all that sort of jazz, 
um, then the rest of the world would be quite happy about it after the experience of Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, if he's back again in a few years, that might be the time to hey, do it. First time I've mentioned him in about six weeks. <laughs> He'll yeah. be back, of course. All right. Very good. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will be asking. So it was the, the, the whole thing. There was a baboon who one afternoon said, this is, I, I forgot it halfway through last week, huh? but I've got it here now. Do you want to okay, hear the whole thing? Okay. There was okay. a baboon. Yeah, absolutely. This is Silly Old Baboon by Spike Milligan. I don't know how it came up in the conversation last week, but I, uh, I, I recited it from my memory, but I ran out halfway through. Memory, I know. So yeah. I looked it up now. So I, I got about halfway. There was a baboon who one afternoon said, I think I will fly to the sun. So with two great palms strapped to his arms, he started his takeoff run. Mile after mile, he galloped in style, but he never once left the ground. You're going too slow, said a passing crow. Try reaching the speed of sound. So he put on a spurt bike. God, how it hurt. Both of his soles of his feet caught fire. As he went through a stream, there were great clouds of steam, but he still never got any higher. On and on through the night, both his knees caught a light and smoke billowed out from his rear. Quick to his aid came the fire brigade who chased him for over a year. Many moons passed by. Did Baboon ever fly? Did he ever get to the sun? I've just heard today he's well on his way. He'll be passing through Acton at one. Baboon. <laughs> Oh, when it's a kid, oh, I, I love absolutely love. You know, it. There's came, one, one, there's, I'll go, it came to a book called Milligan, Alum, Milligan Animals, I think it was. Yeah, I loved was, it when I was a kid. Oh, look, I, there was one time I remember being on um, a train back from Sydney University back home to my parents' place in Hurstville, and I'd got a book of Spike Milligan's writing. I've forgotten which one it was, but he started talking about how they were used, how they're going to make uh, the high-speed Japanese trains. And he actually talked about people being snipped off at the doorway and glued onto the surface and stuff like that, and I couldn't help but I read it out loud. <laughs> On the train, on the on the carriage, and the entire carriage in his hysterics. So, if yeah. anybody wants a bit of fun after listening to you, you do us a gabble on for a while. Go and look up Spike Milligan and see some of his humour. It's off the it's, wall. It's hilarious. Hilarious, brilliant, and it, it, it doesn't. It's still timeless, isn't it? All right, mm. very good, Steve. Uh, we'll talk to, you, talk to you again next week. Thank you. Okay, bye. Not sure what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, we are always open to suggestions, of course, so do send us an email or leave a comment uh, and uh, we'll get on to your ideas perhaps next week. That's it for this week, though. I'm Phil Dobby. He's Steve Keen. Back next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy the Y-Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search the Y-Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.